Nega Baiana, tabuleiro de quinjim, todo dia ela está na igreja de Bofim, na ladeira tem, tem capoeira, zum 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 zum, capoeira mata o, zum 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 zum, capoeira mata o, Bahia, os meus olhos estão brilhando, meu coração palpitando. Welcome to the Brazilian Beat. Join us as we get to know the Brazilian percussion-making community one interview at a time. This is Courtney. And this is Diana. Hello. Hi. Hi, I'm waking up from a nap, but I'm trying to be lively. <laughs> is it working? <laughs> yes. <laughs> In today's interview, we talk to Dana Montero. Dana is a proud New York City public school teacher with 13 years of experience, 12 spent at the Frederick Douglass Academy. He has a BS in music education from NYU, an MA in music education from Teachers College, Columbia University, and is currently a doctoral candidate in music education at Boston University. Originally a classical trumpet player, his interest in Brazilian music began on a trip to Rio de Janeiro, where he was brought by local musicians to the Vila Isabel Samba School. It was there that he heard his first bateria and decided that this music would be successful at the Frederick Douglass Academy. The project that he has there, Harlem Samba, has had great success educating thousands of public school students in Harlem, New York City, and is featured as a case study in the Oxford Handbook of Applied Ethnomusicology. Harlem Samba is a Brazilian percussion ensemble modeled after the Samba School Baterias of the Rio Carnival. The group's members are students, alumni, and friends of the Frederick Douglass Academy, and we're really happy to have Dana on today's show. Yeah, this is a really good interview, and I just wanted to mention that all the music that you'll hear today in the podcast is by Harlem Samba students, so it's pretty impressive. Enjoy the interview. Diana, how are you doing? I'm waking up. It's an early Sunday morning, kind of early. For me, it is. Uh, I'm waking up, having my coffee. Um, and we're here early because we're going to be speaking with someone from the East Coast. On our show today, we have Dana Montero. Welcome, Dana. Hello, everybody. Uh, thanks for having me. Dana is the director of the Harlem Samba School um, in New York, and we are very happy to have you here and talk a little bit about your experiences and everything going on in New York. Happy to be here. Can you, to start out, can you tell us um, like about, we want to kind of get to know you. Tell us about how you grew up, where you grew up, and like the first time you were exposed to music and started playing music. Uh, I grew up in Providence, Rhode Island, and... Um, I started in the seventh grade playing trumpet, and uh, that was uh, everything for me for quite a number of years. Uh, I went to, uh, after high school, I went to NYU, which is how I got to New York City, and um, I was there as a music education major, and um, I was playing trumpet in orchestras and uh, drum and bugle corps and marching band, and nice. that, was, that was everything. Uh, I wasn't a drummer at all. Were you in the Boston Crusaders? No, uh, cadets of Bergen County. Oh, right on. Love the cadets. So trumpet was your main, your main deal. Yeah, trumpet was my my instrument. I I, I like to refer to myself as a former trumpet player. I don't play uh, too much anymore, and if I do, I'm just playing for myself. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So playing uh, Brazilian drums and, and other drums have uh, taken over and, and changed everything. So when did that switch happen for you from trumpet to drums and percussion? Um, I finished my, um, my undergraduate degree and, and started working in the New York City public school system as a band teacher. Uh, I started teaching in the Bronx uh, for two years, and then I moved uh, to the Frederick Douglass Academy. Uh, this is back in 2002. And um, I went to Frederick Douglass with the uh, intention of doing um, marching band and concert band, uh, teaching wind instruments and and some percussion, but uh, within the scope of concert band. And uh, I was at it for about five years, uh, maybe four or five years, uh, and it wasn't going so well. Uh, It was a very difficult place to to teach the traditional school band uh, model. And um, I was in Brazil on vacation, and a lot of my students back in New York didn't want to play flute. They wanted to play drums more than I could handle. (laughs) And when I was in Brazil, um, some musicians that I had met, uh, it was actually a saxophone player, um, told me that I should go to Sama School. And I went to Vila Isabel in Rio. And that's where I saw 275 people playing drums at the same time. And I said, we're going to go back to New York, and that's what we're going to do. Um, so we, I got back to New York and uh, convinced the principal that I knew what I was talking mm. about. I didn't. I just uh, found a book and found the names of the instruments and made a list and, and figured out how much it was going to cost to to start a, a small club uh, after school. And uh, and we got twelve instruments, and that's how that's how Harlem Samba started. It wasn't Harlem Samba yet; it was just something we were doing in the in the music room after school. So you were still teaching <laughs> traditional band classes? Yeah, yeah. At the time, uh, I was teaching uh, piano. I was teaching band. Uh, our school is grade six to twelve. Um, so at that time, I was working mostly with. Um, with grade six to eight uh, on the wind instruments and the high school, we had a very small jazz band, maybe four members. <laughs> and uh, they were very good, but there was okay. only like four of them. And um, so uh, we just um, took a lot of the kids that were really interested in drumming. Uh, and we and they just they just went with me. And I just tried to stay about two weeks ahead of, ahead of them. Uh, so when I came back from... When I came back from Brazil and we got the instruments, um, I joined um, uh, the group Samba uh-huh. New York here in New York, mm-hmm. uh, Philip Glinsky. And I um, I was just coming back to the school and trying to stay to stay two weeks ahead of them, <laughs> and and uh, that didn't always work. Uh, they learned really fast, uh, much faster than uh, my students usually learn, much faster than I do. So they were into it. Yes, right from the beginning. Uh, it was a, it was music that had, you know, all drumming, which is what they wanted. Mm-hmm. They just didn't know mm-hmm. it existed yet. Can you describe, like, let's see, how is, how is this question? Why do you think the kids didn't connect with the traditional band material? It's not that they didn't connect, and it's not that they didn't, they didn't want to play. Um, they definitely had the desire to play the problem. The problem in our school, in a lot of schools uh, in New York City and in other urban areas, is uh, class size. And 
when we started, um, I had nice small classes with 12 kids in it. And then suddenly one day I had 50 kids in every class. Whoa. Wow. And, um, wow. you know, um, when you have 50, 50 students, it can be hard to figure out um, what you're going to do. You can't teach uh, piano to 50 at once and you can't teach really flute to 50 at once, especially <laughs> if it's 50 times five. I have five classes of 50 oh, a day. Man. So um, it, it, uh, when I saw 275 people, the, uh, it, it was uh, a light went on that that was something I could do. Even though I didn't know much about it, um, I didn't know that music that had so many drummers at once even, even existed. This was actually my second time in Brazil. And my first time, I bought um, I bought the CD of the Samba Schools, and I didn't really like it. <laughs> so um, I had to see it live uh, mm-hmm. before it really clicked for me. Sure. Yeah, it's not necessarily music that does well. Recording. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. I mean, it's more of an experience, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, exactly. than... Yeah. And were the kids studying music was this an elective for them or no the reason why my classes are so big is that uh, every student has to have uh arts credits as part of their graduation requirements in high school mm-hmm. so uh for the whole 15 years uh that I've been there um I've been the main person giving out the music credit so mm-hmm. I kind of have to see every student in the building uh, uh, I see. so uh we started with that club after school and eventually we eventually we bought more instruments and when we finally hit 50 uh i started to teach samba all day uh, so now in our school um well for the last uh, eight or nine years uh, we've been at it uh teaching samba there f- since uh, 2011 2000 excuse me 11 years 11 years 2005 or six and uh once we hit 50 instruments um, samba starts at eight in the morning and goes all the way till till four o'clock in the afternoon. Wow! And um, every single student in the building uh, either knows how to play or at some point will know how to play. So we have um, about a thousand high school students. I no longer teach the uh, middle school anymore; just the high school. Mm-hmm. And uh, I see four hundred students a week. And um, so it's a a big program with a very big big footprint but uh in our school there's no getting out of the school there's no graduating <laughs> unless you know how to play i guess that's so great do they how many how many days a week do they do they come to your class um so the beginners come either monday wednesday friday or tuesday thursday and they make the bulk of the 400 students and then there's an advanced group uh, the show group that meets five days a week hmm. and how do they make it to the show group um, they have to be, they, well, on one hand, they have to be very good, but, uh, they also have to, uh, it's a class. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a, uh, we rehearse right during the school day. So they also, um, can't need, uh, a class that only meets at that time. They have to also mm-hmm. be free and their mm-hmm. schedule has to, to allow it. Um, so some years the, the show group is bigger than others, just based on, on scheduling and. This year, this year it's a little small, um, but it's very good. Uh, but um, it just it just depends on a few factors that are school related and music related. Interesting. Do you have um, so since so many kids are coming to you, 
you probably have, a, I imagine, a dichotomy of kids who like really are super into it and kids who aren't as much. Do you have any tips for motivating those kids who maybe aren't as excited to be there? <laughs> I, def- <laughs> to practice? I definitely, yeah, I definitely have the the full range of uh, the students who are absolutely committed and are going to play maybe, you know, for many years after they leave the school. Mm-hmm. And then there are kids who are just there to get their credit and they're just, uh, you know, they're just passing through and they would rather not. Uh, they'd rather not play because it's tiring and it's loud. Um, but I think most kids also understand that um, if I wasn't teaching them Samba, um, we might be having uh, a lecture about music. I might be giving a a PowerPoint presentation about uh, Mozart or Duke Ellington or something. And that's what we've really replaced with with the active experience. So we definitely have students who are not always willing, uh, but the, the majority the majority see it as part of their school experience and, and are willing to go along. So motivating... Well, one thing with, with, with my situation in my school, I don't think too much about recruitment uh, because everybody's there and everybody's <laughs> coming anyway. <laughs> so, um, right. and, you know, once once you're in my class, uh, we're going to play whether you like it or not. So <laughs> that's, that's just how it ends up working out. Wow. With a class that big, do you have like first chair hippie <laughs> like, um, yeah, something so like the, that like how does that work so like the beginning classes um they it, it can take months before we really can see who is who is going to be the the better players um usually mm-hmm. if we, we start in september it's, it's not really until january that i can really start to tell who's who and who might be mm. in the show group later um mm. But the uh, in in some cases, some of the students that uh, ended up being more important uh, or better players, and or even continue to play, and now they're twenty three years old. Uh, in some cases, those students cut my class the entire first time they had me. <laughs> it took some time for them to really buy in, and now they're twenty three years old and they're still playing somewhere. Um, wow! wow. So. Do they ever come back and help you? Yeah. So we have. Uh, a very open door uh, policy. So I never know really when people are coming, um, but I would say almost every week uh, students from the years years past come to rehearse. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have some that play in every show. Um, we always try to do a mix of current students and students from from other years. Uh, we've we've had shows where we've had students from or players that were from age 15 to 26 um, all playing together and it's completely normal for for our students to 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 come back and for our current students to know that even though they're maybe a senior or junior in high school uh, that they know that they can come back later so they don't really the sadness of the last day that they're in the in the group is it's kind of gone because I don't think anybody really feels that they're leaving is there a community program that a lot of them have funneled into as far as, you know, once they graduate, like a, you know, um, Samba New York? Or... Some players have gone uh, to Samba New York. Some players have gone over to Manhattan Samba. A few players um, 
in their colleges. Some of them go away to college. So um, some of them have found um, groups in other places and they may have tried it out or, or even have gone into um, other kinds of world percussion or or uh, different ensembles at, at their colleges. Um, but I would say the majority just know that they can continue playing with us, so they, they do they do that. Gotcha. Yeah. And you stay within one one school, right? You don't tr- go to other no, schools yes, in the area. No, yes, I'm full-time at, at Frederick Douglass, yeah. Gotcha. There's enough students gotcha. there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Plenty of people. Um, which is a, which is part of it cuz you know you have like when you think of a, a a community group and you're looking within your community to find people a, a school is a community it's a built-in community it's already there um, right so you know it's 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 a lot of work to activate the whole building but um, we're all showing up at the same place every day so uh, i have plenty of access to players and you know the fact that they're in high school um, certainly does not uh, is not a minus uh, to their ability. It's it's a plus. Um, I think if I was to if I was teaching people in their twenties and thirties, I don't think I don't think they would move as fast as um, these fifteen and sixteen, seventeen year olds. <laughs> um, they really they're really wide open they have no fear whatsoever it's not strange to them at all uh it's not mm. odd that we're playing brazilian drums i should also mention that this, the students come from a lot of different places um, we have a lot of students who are from different countries in west africa we have students who are coming in from the caribbean we have students mm. who move from different states in the united states at all times um it could be may and here's a new student um so there isn't really, um, as far as the strangeness of, of playing Brazilian drums in the school, uh, no matter what we picked, it would be strange. Even if we did stick with uh, jazz, it would be strange to many of the students in our population. So so why not samba? That's great. Even when it comes to um, if we have uh, a visitor and, and, a, and a visitor is, is, is teaching for the afternoon, I'm always the one at the disadvantage. Um, I find that they, uh, the, the ones that are skilled, um, of course we don't mean everybody, but the, the ones that are the most skilled, um, and you can pick a year that I was there, it's always the same, um, that they they absorb and remember the material much faster uh, than I do. And I have three degrees in music, <laughs> and it, does, it doesn't matter. Uh, the seventeen-year-old will still uh, uh, learn faster and probably remember it the next day uh, better than I do, because I'm thinking right. too much. I might even um, just just thinking too much about it. Uh, I don't write things down anymore, but I used to because I didn't have uh, that real strong memory. So I would kind of make mm-hmm. cheat sheets and have them taped up all over the place. And the, the, I teach in the auditorium, but there would be rhythms taped to the wall all over the stage <laughs> just because I couldn't remember it. But the students, they they don't need it at all. They don't read music, um, most of them. They can just remember everything. They're not handicapped by reading music, mm, I guess. Right. 
Now, as far as your arrangements go, do you pattern yourself after one school? Do you study all kinds of different schools? How do you? Um... Yeah, so I, um, since that first experience, I guess, uh, I guess the best way to get to that answer is that after that first experience in Brazil, um, I returned another 21 times. Oh. And um, yeah, so that was just the first one. All right. And um, so um, I would say the first half of that, I was uh, every time in Rio and Sao Paulo, I was going to a different Sama school. So mm. I went to every large Sama school and a lot of the smaller ones um, in, in, in the next, over the next 10 years. And, um, but uh, since about 2010 till now, um, which is now in itself a long time, but um, I was I was working on my dissertation, mm-hmm. and uh, I was doing my field work. Uh, it was a dissertation in music education, and I did my field work uh, in uh, the community of Santa Marta in Rio, which is uh, connected with uh, San Clemente Samba School. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the material was was uh, a direct result of the research I was doing there, and also quite a bit of material uh, from Salguero, Mm -hmm. uh, which is uh, a place I was visiting quite a bit. And and now, um, the last couple of years, we've been bringing um, two players from Salguero to New York to to spend time with us uh, in school. So we get, I would say, most of the material from there. Uh, We also create our own uh, Mm -hmm. in-house. But uh, as far as uh, influences from Brazil, I would say... 90% 90% is coming from one of those two places. So when did we you also, make... I should also add... Oh, go ahead. Oh, I should also add that um, my current students can play almost all of the 11 years of <laughs> material. We don't wow. throw anything away. So Whoa. if there's a rhythm we played back in 2005, uh, we still play it now. So Dang. Um, when someone joins now, they just have this enormous amount of <laughs> stuff to absorb over time. But since the group is continuous from then till now, um, we just keep putting more in the pot and it's just, it just sits there. Um, but, and you know, I don't tell them when they get there, you have to learn 11 years <laughs> worth of stuff that you're learning much more than those first students. Um, but when you come in new and everyone else knows how to play, like in the advanced group, uh, it's, it's the better way to learn. Uh, you're just around, you're in this very rich environment. Uh, everyone else knows how to do it. So you're just going to hear everything enough times and, uh, and remember. So as long as we play everything once a month or so, at least uh, I won't forget it. If uh, Sometimes things I forget and an old student will come back and, and they'll say, play this one and I'll have to think for a second because I have forgotten. And then once that happens, it's, it's back in the rotation. So when you made that leap from trumpet to like learning all the instruments, what was that like? Did you take lessons when you were going to Brazil to like learn to play? Yeah, it's um, I um, you know the the learning can be different. So my first my first instinct coming from the world of trumpet and, and classical music was, yes, I have to find uh, someone to give me private lessons and. And, and that was very helpful because that um, that transferred well to my uh, mindset uh, in music, which was 
you know, the private lesson and then go to rehearsal kind of model. Mm -hmm. um, so the, those first starts, I was studying here in New York with Samba New York and, and, and Philip Lewinsky. And then when I was going to Brazil, I was doing the same thing. I was looking around for people to give me private lessons. And then I started to just pick up on uh, in Brazil that my question of asking people for a private lesson was a little bit strange. Um, I could see the, you know, the kind of wheels turning, like you want to take a lesson all by yourself. And, um, you know, then it, you know, started to become a little clearer for me that that's not how you learn. Uh, you learn with other people. So the best way to learn is to get in. Don't ask for a private lesson. Ask if you can join the rehearsal um, mm. and spend enough time and become a familiar face and and uh, and go ahead and make your mistakes in front of everybody else. And once you start to do that, um, you learn much quicker. It, it was hard to not feel strange about it and it was definitely hard um in brazil that is to not feel uh out of place but once you notice people have stopped looking at you that must mean you're playing better because you're not sticking out anymore <laughs> right interesting so yeah i mean it's interesting like the community-based um you know samba in in rio as far as i understand a super community-based event and you know, it's all supported by the community, and but that's also the way you learn to play it. I mean, I like that idea. This was and that that, um, that topic uh, and that kind of realization I had ended up being my the subject of my um, entire dissertation. Uh, I um, did my research on um, the sense of community, mm. um, and Santa Marta was the 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 community in the in the geographical or physical sense but um, the way that people feel a part of something um, is a big part of the way that people uh, play this kind of drumming and learn this kind of drumming and um, samba and other forms of Brazilian drums are very participatory uh, you you learn by doing and the rehearsal is a performance and people are always watching and always doing it together. And the music is built to include as many people as, as possible. I mean, how are you going to get up to 275 people unless you've got music that can, the structure of the music can accommodate uh, as many people as possible and can accommodate people that are of different skill levels, which, which is why it worked in my school. I have some students who are fantastic and somebody who's standing next to them who can't play very well, but it, it all fits. So that person who doesn't feel very well, uh, doesn't uh, play very well, still feels that they're contributing and um, can, still be, can still be part of the group while they're still in the process of learning. So while I was running around Brazil and I didn't play very well, um, there was still a place for me over in the corner um, and there would always be a place for me in the same group as I improved and continue to improve. Hmm. In the same sense of community, um, Dana, are the parents really involved? Are they really supportive? At our school? Yes. In our school? Mm -hmm. um, actually, very few. Hmm. Um, very few, which is, is unfortunate. Uh, we have we have some parents who, who do... Um, 
uh, have a great deal of contact with us. Uh, but I would say on the whole, um, we don't. Um, again, I have 400 students. Um, I know only a handful of parents. Mm-hmm. So um, the... That 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 connection that connection isn't quite there. Sure, that happens. Can you? Is it possible? Can you send us a copy of your dissertation? I would love to read that. <laughs> yes, I will. I will. Absolutely. I was about that too. If you want to sit through those three hundred pages, uh, I sure. wrote it, so I'm, I'd be happy if someone read it. Oh yeah. I mean, I would actually like to hear more about that. I mean, did in your dissertation did you talk about ideas of bringing that to other communities, like to public school community or back to neighborhood type communities in the states? Or, or tell us more about yeah, your dissertation. Well, one of the one of the um, it was 90% um, discussing Santa Marta and, and Samba in Rio mm-hmm. and the other 10% talking about how it applies uh, to my everyday uh, work at, at Frederick Douglass and uh, just the idea that there are many urban schools that need this kind of thing and that this kind of drumming uh, fits fits our environment better than other forms of music and fits our environment better than, uh, or the reason why it works is because the fit is there um, in ways that other forms of American school music uh, didn't quite work. So when we, you know, with my students, and this, this is part of of what i wrote about um i have students who come and go all the time um you might start my class in the beginning of the year and you might move away or you might you might move from another country right in the middle of our of our year and if we were an orchestra Mm. could i just uh put you in on on viola (laughs) in in January, when everybody else started in September, I, I couldn't. But I, I could throw you in on Chicago. I could throw you in on Kasha. And um, I did uh, quite a bit of explanation of how within the Samba school, within the Bateria, um, each instrument has its kind of own level of um, of how participatory it is. So um, the Kasha, the Hipiki, if, if you show up uh, and no one knows you and you ask to play Kasha, you, you're probably going to be allowed to jump in and play because you've got uh, your part of the rhythm to play. You've, you're just making a texture pretty much and and uh, you just need to know the starts and stops and there's going to be things you don't know. There's going to be some bosses and or breaks that you're not going to know and you'll need to stop. Uh, but you can do it. You can jump in. And if you play tambourine, you might not be able to jump in because you don't know the arrangement for the song. You don't know um, this. You would have to stay and study. Or now you might, uh, what I see a lot in Brazil is people use YouTube. You might have to study before you get here and and learn the, the arrangement. Um, so the fact that Samba is very participatory uh, and that there's always a space for people regardless of their ability level and regardless of their time within that group um, makes it the perfect fit for for the urban school uh, maybe other schools too um, but in my dissertation I was really focused on 
problems that the urban schools have uh, that maybe this type of drumming or at least this type of musical mindset of being open and, and uh, communal and participatory could have. And the, one of the other thoughts that, you know, kind of came out uh, when I decided to do this uh, dissertation was a question I hear a lot of people ask is, is why is there so much Brazilian drumming? <laughs> you know, why, why is there a group in all of these places? Why is there a group in Portland? And why is there a group in New York? And why is there a group uh, in Chicago and, and in other countries? And uh, you have to think, well, you have to think, is it, is it because people love Brazil so much? Is it people because people like samba? Is it because people like maraca too? Is it because people like drums? Maybe it's maybe it's in part all of those things. But that if even if those are yeses, they don't answer everything. Uh, there has to be something else about this type of drumming that is attracting people uh, and that is bringing people in, and that's why it's spreading. And the other thing with it is, is there also something about the music in in those cities or in countries that are using samba as, as community groups? Uh, is their local music not welcoming? Is their local music, hmm. um, is, it, is it, you know, do we have uh, many samba groups? Uh, because American drumming can be difficult to just jump in, uh, mm -hmm. in the way I was describing. Mm -hmm. uh, a marching band like uh, a Drum and Bugle Corps, uh, you can't just, even if you're the best player uh, with the cadets, let's say, you can't just jump in with the Blue Devils for today's show. Um, <laughs> right. Another, it just doesn't work like that. You're stuck in your group. Uh, but in Samba, there's no reason why I can't travel to the West Coast and just jump into mm -hmm. one of the groups out there on the same day or mm -hmm. vice versa. Someone just show up at my group, which we have all the time. That's what's, uh, yeah, um, I, I love that about <laughs> about different groups that you can, you know, go to San Francisco and, you know, there people are have open arms, you know. You and what it's made is a community. So people, exactly. because they know that they can do that, um, they are in contact with each other. If, if there was no way that you were ever going to go to California and go and ask one of the groups if you could go play with them, maybe you wouldn't call them when you got there. Mm -hmm. uh, I know when I um, travel, I always just do a quick Google search. Is there a group there? And if there is, I call them and see what day they're rehearsing and, and I go and play. So I've done um, parades in, in Tokyo and and rehearsed quite a bit in in london and uh played samba in in um uh in, in philadelphia with those groups and in las vegas and in the cape verde islands um so there's always just this space to 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 insert yourself and with my with with harlem samba it's not strange for us to give a show and for there to be a a 40-year-old German guy in the back who has not been at any of our rehearsals. <laughs> he's playing Kasha. It's completely, it is completely normal for that to happen. And and we welcome that to happen. So uh, at our school, at our rehearsals, uh, we get a lot of calls. Uh, New York is a place that either people get sent to to relocate for work or it's a place that people come on vacation um, and they, like me, if I'm going somewhere, have looked up uh, what's in town, 
and they call and ask, can, can I come by? Um, so it's, it's part of it because people come and they take, they take, you know, information from us with them and they more often than not leave something behind from, from their place. So there's always this, um, in these kind of musics, uh, this kind of cross pollinization, right? Of the groups. Everyone is leaving and taking, uh, things from different places and, and, and keeping everything, uh, together as a, a larger, a larger community of, of drummers. Speaking of that larger community, Dana, um, something that caught our eye and I've posted it on, on our um, Facebook page is you working in Nigeria yes. with, um, is it Eco or is it Echo? Echo. Echo Samba community. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, yeah. So, um, for for about a, maybe a year and a half, uh, I've been doing some workshops uh, for Contemporanea, uh, nice. the drum company down in, in Sao Paulo. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, we did uh, we did one yesterday. At, uh, actually, I did a workshop at Boston University, mm-hmm. and um, we did another one at Berkeley School of Music a little a little ways back, and and uh, and also did a. A project where we we had some drums sent to Antigua in the Caribbean and mm-hmm. and gave some workshops and and started a a group uh, there. Cool. And um, so the the Echo Samba community, which is a really really fantastic group of uh, group of people, really really strong players, really passionate about about um, playing samba and and. Uh, they've got a very uh, a very uh, very good leader, leader and very knowledgeable uh, group about uh, the music. Um, but they uh, Contemporanea sent me to to Nigeria to 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 make this connection uh, between us in Harlem and and the group uh, in Nigeria and just to to try to. Uh, get them connected with people from the outside to get them con- connected to this kind of worldwide community that mm-hmm. that exists out there. They're very much connected to the groups in London, um, but this was another step of someone someone going to them and 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 working with them for the week, which is always great because it, it just you know I love when someone comes into our group. Uh, we have a lot of people that that come in and. And help us, and it just kind of changes, changes everything for a few days, and gets everybody really, really motivated again. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was able to go there and do uh, three days of uh, three days of workshops over the course of a week, and uh, and uh, and to visit Lagos, which is uh, an amazing city. It's a huge city, <laughs> lots of energy and, mm-hmm. and lots of uh, lots of people, and uh, Contemporanea sent. Uh, um, an entire set of uh, instruments there. Oh, cool! Uh, about sixteen, I think it's like sixteen instruments, um, so that they could expand and and um, and continue their progress. Uh, the group's been around for five years, and um, and they're doing really great work. So uh, I was very happy to, or I am happy to be part of it, and I look forward to what uh, progress they have and. 
and I sure hope to go and see that progress for myself again one day in the future. Now, it, this group is it ranges in age, right? There's children, adults. Is that correct? Which group? With the, the one in Nigeria. Yeah, yeah. Yes, um, it was age about uh, eight to twenty-six, I believe. Hmm. And just like I had described about my group with with fifteen, sixteen, and seventeen year olds, um, don't discount the the eight year olds. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the eight year olds were right there uh, on tambourine, just like the older the older players. Um, youth is not a uh, <laughs> youth is always a plus. <laughs> yeah. And um, so does this group perform like, or is it just mostly a community, community group that participates just to, to play? Uh, yeah, they, they, um, it, it is, a, it is a community group that welcomes people from their surrounding area um, in that section of Lagos. And, um, but they they also do uh, performances and have performed uh, all over Nigeria. Uh, they had a, they had a, um, a uh, a project that they 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 wanted to send two of their really really uh, good players uh, to the the older players who are um, really really good percussionists. Uh, they were trying to send them to London to uh, to to learn more and to play more, but um, they ran into some issues with the the visa, mm. um, which is kind of when the our conversations. Um, with Contemporanea and in in our in our school really uh, started to pick up. Well, okay, if you can't send anybody out, well, maybe people should start to come to you in the meantime. That's great. And at my school, uh, we have many students who are Nigerian. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was that natural connection and that natural. Uh, one of my supervisors at work uh, is is from Lagos and. And it, it really started where he came in one day with this newspaper from Nigeria. Someone had sent him uh, to read a story. They had sent for him to read a story in the paper. And it just so happened somewhere else to have a story about uh, the Echo Samba community. Hmm. And he, he was waiting for me at the front door uh, <laughs> at 7 in the morning to show me this newspaper. I didn't have the heart to tell him that I already knew about the group. I had learned about the group maybe eight hours earlier. I, I saw it on Facebook. But... You know, only a few hours the night before, I, I just learned about it, um, and that's when I I told um, um, the owner of uh, Contemporanea, um, there's there's this connection that's kind of natural and and uh, already in existence between uh, us and my Nigerian boss and my Nigerian yeah. students and and this group in Nigeria um, that we want to. We want to start just a virtual interaction. Uh, we were thinking that we would just send them some some breaks that they could do, and they could send us some of the rhythms that they do, and we'd perform some of their stuff, and maybe they would on that side would perform. Yeah, cool. Uh, and practice some of our stuff, and um, but once um, once um, the folks at Contemporanea got uh, wind of it, it just it it kind of ballooned into something else. Next thing I know, I was on a plane doing workshops. <laughs> so it worked out. <laughs> I didn't realize they did stuff like that. That's really that's really good to hear. Yeah. Um, 
quite a bit uh, actually, and I, I, I think more, uh, more and more, um, especially here in the U.S. I think, um, I think in many ways, uh, when it comes to Brazilian drumming, that in the U.S. we're we're some years behind what Europe has been doing. Yes, right. Uh, it's been around in Europe a little bit longer. Yes, um, and also it's. Um, you know, some smaller distances between groups, so they've you know been helping each other, and it's a bit more established. Um, and we're kind of playing, we're kind of playing catch up. But um, there have been a lot of uh, workshops um, and people uh, coming in and and moving around the U.S. That uh, I think it's increasing in frequency, which is uh, good for all of us. Yeah, I think so. Um, about all your trips, I had written down a question that I wanted to ask you. Um, in your bio, it says that you enjoy learning how music is taught in the other countries you've visited. Can you give us an example of like um, a different way that music is taught in another place than here? Well, I think I, I was kind of discussing when, when I was saying my realization of, you know, me asking this question of I want an individual lesson yeah <laughs> and, yeah you know really being looked at you know, like what is what would that be and, um, <laughs> and you know because if if when i started going to other places and um and trying to study music i mean i am trying especially in percussion i'm trying my best to play especially in the beginning but i'm I'm not a natural percussionist, so we we need a little more time for me. But it doesn't mean I can't learn mm-hmm. how you said everything. And I can't learn how you phrased everything. I definitely see myself as an educator before I see myself as a musician. Um, so I spend a lot more time uh, using uh, Rio as an example, uh, watching watching the mess today work than I do watching the players. And um, I more enjoy going to Rio in August when they're just getting started mm-hmm. than I do going during the months of carnival hmm. because by then the teaching's done. Right. Uh, what are they learning now? They're just rehearsing and putting the final touches on, but it's August and it's September and it's November where they're teaching the arrangements. And just listening to how... Um, how things are phrased, how things are organized. What is the what is the way that um, a rehearsal is structured? Because it can be quite different uh, from place to place. Um, I I kind of have started in in um, uh, moving past uh, samba and in in some years ago traveled to. Uh, to Montevideo to to study candombe, mm-hmm. and um, and saw many of the similarities between samba and candombe, and and also the differences and how does one explain the differences and how does one organize that brain to play a different uh, form of music? I hope that answered you. Ah, <laughs> uh, I had another question in the middle of that. Oh, like so it different schools that you visited at the beginning i'm actually kind of curious how they do that too um i mean obviously probably you said every school is different but um 
do they break into sectionals? Is there like a beginner time, you know, at the beginning or how does. So, so a lot of them, a lot of them, um, a lot of them run now. And I, this wasn't so, it wasn't so widespread when I started going down there. It would have been great because it would have helped a lot. <laughs> um, these classes uh, for beginners and, and these kind of workshops that, mm-hmm. that, but they, they definitely break into sectionals and, and spend a lot of time, uh, a lot of time on technique. Mm. But it really, it almost depends on where you're coming from. Um, if you're, um, which is kind of what I was looking at in registration, if you're coming at it that you're uh, taking Santa Marta, for an example, if you are a 25 or 35-year-old banker who just got interested in Samba now um, and wanted to go into the community and learn how to play because they would have a Monday night workshop uh, every Monday um, and you went up into the into the favela to learn to to play uh you would be in one of these classes that had a format that wouldn't be too different from maybe a community group here in the u.s uh break into sectionals let's talk about how to hold the sticks let's talk about how these these parts go together and there's a lot of talking but if you were a kid who grew up in that community right you would not be learning in that way right you would you would have learned by going to the rehearsals with your parents or your uncle, and and you would have learned by uh, maybe mimicking them, uh, grabbing a pair of drumsticks and playing on a can or playing on the floor, or or maybe if they let you take the drum and stand in the back, you would. And once you showed that you had enough ability, you would maybe move on and be able to join the group as a member, and you were still a child. And as time would go on, um, your ability and your level of access would increase, but you would have started not in some sort of structured rehearsal, you know, in the kind of American way of using the word rehearsal, um, but you would have learned in the process of the full rehearsals, probably with an audience being there. Hmm. Um, and you would have just come come to it in this rich environment, Um the sensory rich environment that that would allow you to 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 learn uh learn as you were doing uh, you're learning in progress uh it's not like you learn at home and then come with everything rehearsed mm-hmm. um, we're going to do it. all these steps are going to happen at the same time the learning the performing <laughs> and um mastery are, are all going to be happening at one at one time so it really depends on where you're where you're approaching it from and i see this in miniature um at at my school uh, i have this advanced i have all these 400 beginners but then i have this advanced class and sometimes they put a student in that advanced class that is not advanced they put a student in that advanced class that doesn't know the names of the drums and yet they're instead of with the beginners they're with the advanced if you give that student enough time they learn everything just because the environment is so rich that they can just pick it up. Right. But I teach them by just letting them in. I show them how to hold the drum and then I pretty much ignore them for the next two months. (laughs) And, you know, they're just in the room and they'll figure it out and they always figure it out. Hmm. Whereas if I have a group that's 50 beginners, 
now I have to explain everything because no one knows. Yeah. It's just a different approach completely depending on who the audience is. Hmm. How often a week would um, Santa Marta, is that the name of the community? How? Uh, in Santa Marta, yes. How many, how many times a week would they get together and, um, and play then, like early on? Uh, it, they play, they, I mean, they have some things that are structured and uh, like the, the, works, the workshop for mainly people who are from outside the community would be just once a week. Um, but really the, the music does not stop in that community. And um, the community is also so dense. Um, people live very, very close together. Mm-hmm. So when they do rehearse, uh, it's for everybody to hear. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> when you're climbing the hill, um, when you're climbing the hill, Santa Marta is located on the on the base of one of the hills that's uh, pe- for people familiar with with Rio um, in both of, in the Botafogo neighborhood. Mm-hmm. It's almost the same chain of uh, hill mountain that's going up to the Christ statue. Um, so it's very steep, um, but people are hearing the music. When you start climbing the hill, you hear it. Uh, I would always know if I was late to rehearsal because I would. I could hear it from, from as I was starting to to climb up. So I think that helps uh, because you are always uh, absorbing it. Um, and if it's not, maybe if it's not uh, the bateria that's rehearsing or the kids playing samba school instruments or the the samba school that's located in the community, it may be uh, the after work uh, pagogi or or other forms of samba that are are happening um, in the community. So it's a very very musical musical place that some things are on the agenda. This is the time it's going to happen, and some things are just part of the natural flow of of the community. Mm-hmm. I do sometimes miss going back to your school program the idea that there's a set aside time to, for everyone to get together and practice every day of the week. Yeah. <laughs> so you can really achieve a lot that way. I Yeah, it changed. That. We used okay. to be an after school. We used to be an after school program. And um, when we made the move to be an actual course, uh, which meant everyone is scheduled to be there, that's where the uh, ability level uh, skyrocketed. Yeah. Just because everyone's going to be here today. And I will see you tomorrow. We'll just pick up where we left off. You right. weren't really facing anybody. It was um, a little bit more stable. Um, and it doesn't hurt that we rehearse five days a week. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I kind of miss that, no actually. There's no need to <laughs> practice at home. <laughs> so. Right. Yeah. Cool. Dana, can you tell us a little bit about your teachers? Who do you consider um, some of your big influences in Samba? Yeah. Um could be a long list um <laughs> so i'll try i'll try to chop it down um definitely through the 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 process of my uh dissertation and and, and heavy learning in, in that over those years because uh, i did a lot of, i didn't sit in the corner and with a notebook and write everything down it was i played my way through and had to remember what i wanted my notes to say and then uh try to jot it down after the fact um but uh mestre caliquino or uh, his name is jefferson um uh, who lives in santa marta and is the mestre of uh the san clemente sama school 
Um, I really learned a lot from from watching him work, uh, and not watching him work with the big Sama school, but watching him work with uh, the twelve year olds that he teaches in the afternoon. Mm. Um, and I got to see those eleven and twelve year olds go from being eleven and twelve year olds to being directors in the Sama school because it took me a long time to write this thing. <laughs> so <laughs> I said they went from being um, kids to to being in charge um, and watching him not only teach uh, the music but also guide guide these people from being children to being adults and being children players and to being adult leaders um, uh, guides my practice uh, in New York. Um, and also in Santa Marta, there's another another guy named Chambello, uh, who uh, is not the mestre of uh, the big Sama school now. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you talk to anybody there, including including uh, Mestre Calaquino, everyone will tell you that uh, he's the top of the food chain uh, when it comes to to samba in that community. And uh, he, I actually got to him. Uh, because I asked that question again. I, I went to Salkomechi and I asked the mestre there, I said, can I have a private lesson? And he looked at me and I thought he was dismissing me. I, I, I took it a little personal. And he said, no. And he showed me some other guy and he dragged him over and he said, this is the guy you want to talk to. And I, I, I was a little disappointed <laughs> at first, but it really ended up um, changing everything for me because he introduced me to, uh, to Chambelo who took me to Santa Marta for a private lesson. He actually sat through it, and yelled at me the entire time. Um, he's he's uh, a really great person who yells at you with uh, just the right amount of humor, but, but also the right amount of disappointment in his voice <laughs> to, to let you know um, what you're doing right and what you're doing wrong. Um, I find myself yelling at some of my students like he yells at me. Uh, so then, and then more recently, uh, Guilherme and Gustavo Oliveira, they're uh, two brothers who are directors at, at Salguero. Um, they, um, they've been very helpful for me in Rio. Um, and for the last two years, uh, we've brought them up for a couple weeks, uh, this past November and the November before. Um, and they are like, they are like members of uh, Harlem Samba. Mm. The the all the kids know them. The kids are always talking to them on the phone. Mm. Uh, uh, anytime we have a show, they have one of them. One of the kids is skyping with one of them, and <laughs> oh, holding up awesome. their cell phone in the back. And then you know, if there's a <laughs> if there's a question about uh, one of the arrangements, if if someone doesn't know the third solo part or something, um, they you know we send them a message and hey, can you sing this into your phone and and oh, uh, I love there's that. always an immediate, mm-hmm. always an immediate um, <laughs> feedback that 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 comes from the two of them. So they have uh, not come to just do, not come just to do the the workshops and gone home. But they have they have really uh, become part of our of our ensemble and 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 they're well known in our school. And everyone waits for them to when are they coming back? When are they coming back? Mm. When are they coming back? That's great. So, um, yeah, we we'll we'll leave the list there. <laughs> <laughs>
That's awesome. Um, one question that I like to ask of people is what um, has been your happiest moment being involved? I guess mostly I usually ask playing the music, but I mean, you seem like you enjoy teaching and and directing more. Um, what's been your happiest moment directing this music or being around this music, teaching? Um, hmm. Is it okay if I give three answers? Yes. <laughs> okay. You can give so, five uh, if you want. <laughs> okay. Um, there were there were two shows that um, that the group did that s- stick out more than the others. Um, we did we did uh, an event with uh, for the Clinton Global Initiative uh, about two and a half years ago, and um, we got a call to play with the Roots and. Um, uh so you know yeah that was strange that the roots were calling for us to go play <laughs> with them um and at this event there were uh 70 heads of state were there and uh and when the show happened um my students were invited to play with the roots i was not invited to play with the roots <laughs> so i was backstage through a curtain and um they were able to go and do that all by themselves. Mm-hmm. And in fact, when I, I saw so our group travels a lot too. So a few months later, we went to Brazil, me and about five of my students. Nice. And um, the rest of the group, uh, the roots called again, and they really showed that they did not need me because <laughs> they went and played with them on Nickelodeon without me. And I wasn't there at all. Um, so... <laughs> So there was. It was also great that um, President Clinton told our a really uh, great Hepnike player Maxwell that, and his mic was still live. That he had never seen anyone do, play, never seen anyone play like that with one stick in one hand before, and his mic was still live. <laughs> so we Aww. all got to hear that wonderful compliment that it was supposed to be private. Um, and uh, the second uh, moment uh, of the three, I guess, is. Um, we played um, for, uh, and this time I did play um, for TED Talks uh, live that was here in in, on, in a Broadway theater a little over a year ago. Mm-hmm. And the reason I include that one is, um, and it wasn't intentional, but when I called because I needed it to be the best group I could put together. But after the fact, when I looked at the picture, I I realized that. Um, we had every single year of our program's existence, all 11 years, on the stage together. Oh, cool. So someone someone had been in every single one of those 11 years. Is that the photo um, that's on your website? On the Harlem yes, website? it is. Yeah, cool. Um, so that, that was age 15 to 26. Um, and the third is just, um, and the third happens a lot that, those things are nice. It's nice to play with the roots and it's nice to do things for like Ted or, or other stuff. But just sometimes like on a Wednesday <laughs> that no one else is there, you know, it's just me and I'm the only one listening. Sometimes it's really, really good. And more often they sound better when it's just us and, and uh, they're a little bit loose and a little bit more relaxed then if there's an audience um and i would take those 
those days when it's really, really good. Uh, not the days when I'm yelling at everybody and frustrated, but the days when it's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, um, those are those are more important than when you do like a con- uh, concert. Yeah. I think that that's probably the fact that you were talking um, about um, the Clinton show or, or was it? No, with the roots. Yeah. The roots at the Clinton show that they were able to play on their own. I think that's a good um, demonstration of like, you're a good teacher. I mean, you can teach them well enough and get them to where they're playing on their own. That's really awesome. And some of them play better than I do. So <laughs> musically, they don't. They certainly don't um, uh, always need me, and they they um, they can definitely do things independently. Yeah, that's great. Well, Dana, thank you for coming on. We really appreciate you being here and taking some time to talk with us. And if you're on the West Coast, please <laughs> check in with us. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I will. It was a ple- it was a pleasure speaking with you. Thanks yeah, for thank having you. me. Is there anything else you'd like to say? Any shout outs no. or um, <laughs> um, <laughs> events coming up? Um, I guess we didn't we didn't talk about that. I had a book. I guess that. Yes, I saw that, that, but there's no more available on Amazon. You gotta oh, send yes, them some I, more. Um, the, the book that I wrote, um, uh, the Sama school, um, the book was, um, I was asked to write the book, uh, by Contemporanea and to write, um, uh, just a method book, uh, that kind of informs some of the, on some of the practice, uh, that I've been doing, um, in Harlem, uh, over this time. Um, it's a really, uh, beautiful looking book. Uh, I think, uh, you will agree if you if you if you pick it up. Uh, it is out of stock right now on Amazon, but will be back in stock very soon. Excellent. Is there anything else? Any websites you'd like to promote or anything like that? Uh, you can visit uh, our program's website at uh, harlemsamba.com. We have um, pictures and audio, and you can get to know us a little better. And also, uh, anyone who's listening, please know that our doors are open. If you are in New York City between September and June and want to stop in for a visit, uh, all are welcome. Uh, You can just uh, send us an email through our website and we'll give you the information and you will be absolutely welcome to come and watch us, to come play, uh, and to just hang out and we can get connected that way. That's great. Yeah, I, you know, I'm just really, I commend you. This is like a great program that's out there. I think a lot of other schools need to look into this because it's amazing. Thank you. So thanks for listening to this interview with Dana Montero. If you would like to learn more about Harlem Samba, go to www.harlemsamba.com. Also, if you'd like to learn more about Dana himself, he has a website, www.danamontero.com. There are links to those on our um, webpage. Also, if you would like to see YouTube videos of the kids playing, they're freaking cool. Those are also, there's links to those on our website. 
I have also, um, he let us put up a copy of his dissertation, so there's a link to that also. The dissertation is entitled Samba, the Sense of Community in Participatory Music. He talks a lot about his time in Brazil and time at the Samba School, so. I can't wait to read it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to reading it too. And also, if you look on our Facebook page, um, the Brazilian Beat Podcast page, um, you'll find um, videos of Dana working in Nigeria with the Echo Samba community, um, which actually led me to um, want to interview him. You know, I, I saw those videos and I was like, oh my goodness, we need to talk to that guy. <laughs> yeah. So check all those videos we have. So I have a couple of shout outs personally. Um, you know, we have a great Samba Brazilian music community throughout the U.S., and, you know, worldwide, but um, we have a great support system, as many of you know, because we talk about it all the time. California Brazil Camp has brought many of us together and has offered us this way to network and promote um, workshops within different cities across the U.S. And um, I particularly want to send some shout outs to folks I've been working with um, on upcoming projects. Um I'd like to give a shout out to Eva Yao in Boulder, Dev in Seattle, Marco in Vancouver, BC, Claudia in San Diego, Chris Perry here in Portland, people all across the country. It's great how we can all just um, connect and um, try to organize workshops, get our teachers through to different cities across the U.S. And I I really like um, working with all our CBC family members. So shout out to you guys. Thanks a lot for all your support and help in organizing workshops and uh, performances throughout the year. If you would like to have your group's audio featured on the podcast, we would love that. Um, please send us an email and inquire about that at, what are we? Please send us an email at brazilianbeat at gmail.com. You can also find more information about our guests and uh, see photos of them at our website, www.thebrazilianbeat.com. We're also on Twitter, BrazilianBeat1, that's the number one. Facebook, Brazilian Beat Podcast. Instagram, The Brazilian Beat. You can also stream our podcasts from the website and also on iTunes. Obviously, if you're already listening to this, <laughs> you figured out some way to listen to it. But um, if you like this podcast and you would like to support us and help us pay to keep the lights on, consider, if you shop on Amazon.com, consider going through our website and um, the banner on our website and it won't cost you anything else, but we will get a percentage of what you buy for driving traffic to your site. So if you guys would help us out and um, whenever you go to Amazon to buy, even if it's like a lawnmower, it doesn't have to be... People buy lawnmowers on Amazon? Yeah, yeah. Oh, buy everything. <laughs> it doesn't have to be drums or samba-related stuff. You could just... Or sticks or whatever. Books. Dana's book is up there. If you go buy his book, go through our link, and we'll get a little percentage, and it'll help us pay for our hosting, and maybe we could get some new microphones. Anyway, yeah. thanks for your support, and uh, thanks for listening. Ciao.